Now, today, I want to ask you a question. If someone were to ask you, what is your vision for your life, what would you say? Do you have a picture in your mind of what you want the future to look like? Is it the same picture that God has in his mind when he thinks about you? Do you have a God-given vision? Do you have a God-given picture of what your life should be like? Every person secretly longs to make a difference. Nobody wants to just float through life and go along with the current and pop out the other end somewhere and realize, oh, that's the only life I'm going to get. I don't get another one. I wish I would have thought about it a little more. I wish I would have done something a little more intentionally to figure out what all of that was about. Everyone secretly wants their life to matter and wants to do something bigger than themselves. You know why? God put that desire in your heart. That's what it means to have a God-given vision for your life is to have a vision that's bigger than you. To have a vision to make an impact, to make a difference. How do you know you're not just floating along with the current that's taking everyone else out to sea? How, how do you know your life is going to make a difference? I think the number one vision killer in our culture today is this lie that says you can have everything. You can have everything. So we spend so much of our time chasing this dream where all options are, are ours and all options are open all the time that we lose any sense of direction and vision and purpose. We become paralyzed from, from going all in on one thing because we're pulled in so many different directions. But look, without a vision, you will have a little bit of everything and a lot of nothing. Let me say that again. Without a vision, you'll have a little bit of everything and a lot of nothing. And that sounds like, the, to me, the, the, the accurate description of the American culture today. A lot of everything, but not a lot of anything. Knowing what your vision is comes from two things. Knowing God and knowing who God made you to be. We talk a lot at Kingwood about knowing God. This series we're starting today called Unique, we're going to spend talking about the second one, who did God make you to be? That's what this series is about. See, here's the thing. You are the very first you that has ever existed on earth. There's never been another you. You are special and you are rare because God made you that way. Understanding that uniqueness will help you understand God's vision for your life. So here's the question this series uh, aims to answer. Why are you so unique? Now I don't mean weird, don't point at anybody. Is that what I'm talking about? Why are you a one of a kind? Why has there never been another you? 
Why are you the first one of you that's ever existed? Why are you seeing? And I'm going to go ahead today and just give you the whole series. Today we're going to talk about uh, the fact that God made you. That makes you unique. Next week, God saved you. That makes you unique. The third week, God gifted you. That makes you unique. The next week, God chose you. That makes you unique. And unlike most series we do, this series is interconnected more, more than any other we do. So I wanna, I'm pleading with you, encouraging you, be here every week of this series because we're going to start with this really wide funnel on how God made you and every week narrow it down more narrow and more narrow and more narrow until we arrive right at you. Why did, why did God make you unique? So this morning, if you have something to write with, I want to encourage you to take notes. If you don't take notes, you can't go to heaven. Otherwise, it's no problem. Be totally fine. Don't worry about it. No pressure. I'm joking. It's not in the Bible. It's a joke. Relax. All the Pharisees, take your hat off. It's okay. Number one, God made you on purpose. Psalm 139, 13 Let's just read about three or four of these verses together. For you created, listen how beautiful this is. For you created my inmost being. God created your insides. God created, God created every detail. God cares about the details. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Remember those two words. We're going to unpack that in a minute. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. In other words, in my mother's womb. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. When? Before one of them came to be. God made you on purpose and he made you for a purpose. And so let's talk about this for a minute. This verse says in Psalm that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. What is that talking about? It's talking about your physical body. That's the context. Your physical body is fearfully and wonderfully made. So let me tell you some things about your body that you may not even know. Your brain has the capacity to store 300 hours of video. You, th you think your phone's got it? Your brain's got it. Pound for pound, a human baby is stronger than an ox. That's why... God, in his wisdom, knew they were going to fall and hit their head on stuff, and so he made them strong. Your nose can remember 50,000 smells. 50,000. That, that's why when you smell something, it brings back memories. You go, I haven't thought of that since childhood. You might not have smelled that since childhood. The fastest computer in the world can do about 33.8 quadrillion, I don't even know what that means, sounds like our national debt's getting there though, operations per second, but your brain is faster. 
You go, then why can't I find my car keys? Because you went right past them. Your brain's so fast. You're like lightning. The human eye can distinguish 10 million different colors. 10 million different colors. Some some of you are photographers. I want to know who in the room has a camera that you think has a large number of megapixels. How, how, how many, just kind of just call out. Who's got, a, who's got 15 megapixels? Who's got a 15? Who's got a camera with 15 megapixels or higher? Anybody? Anybody even know what I'm talking about? Yes, okay, I, I know you're a photographer. All right, 20. Anybody got a camera with 20 megapixels? Anybody? You do? What's, what's your megapixels? 25. Anybody got a camera with tw- more than 25 megapixels? Anybody? No? If your human eye was a digital camera, it would have 576 megapixels. That's how incredible this creation is, if we call, we call the human body. The human body has 60,000 miles of blood vessels. That's enough to go around the entire world more than twice. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, when God was calling Jeremiah and telling him his purpose, here's what he said to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. He gave him a purpose. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. See, here's what I want you to know this morning, and this is the foundation of the whole unique series and why you're part of your uniqueness. You are not an accident of nature. You are not an accident of science, and you are not an accident of your parents. You are here because God put you here, and he made you on purpose. He made you, come on, he made you on purpose. Aren't you glad? See, here's why that matters. If you believe you're an accident, then you will believe you can live an accidental life. And that is a risky way to live. But if you realize you are here on earth by God's design, then you will be empowered to live a life of purpose, of significance, a life that makes a difference. If you can for a minute... Bring your hands up close enough to your face that you can see your fingerprints. Can you, I probably have a little more light than you, but just try. Can you, can you um, maybe you got to get your glasses out, I don't know. But you, you look at your finger. Can you see the little groovy lines on your fingerprints? Can you see them? L- let me tell you a little bit about those this morning. That's what makes you unique. Those lines begin to form on your fingertips when you were 10 weeks old in your mother's womb. 10 weeks old. By the time your mother was six months pregnant with you, those fingerprints were fully formed. The same way they are today. Three months before you were even born. No one knows exactly how those fingerprints are formed, but watch this. We do know the process is so chaotic, there's virtually no chance that any two people have ever had the same fingerprints in human history. That's how unique you are. In fact, identical twins do not have the same fingerprints. In fact, 
all the fingers on your hand have different fingerprints from each other. And your thumb on one hand does not have the same print as your thumb on another hand. You are completely unique. The Bible says it this way. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knew you before you were born. If you want to write something down, write this down. You are a unique expression of the glory of God that does not exist anywhere else on earth. Do you believe that? If you believe that, that changes a lot of things. You are a unique expression of the glory of God that does not exist anywhere else on earth. Wouldn't it be great to know why? <laughs> Seems like that's a box we need to unlock. Wouldn't it be incredible to know why God went to all that trouble? Where would I start? Start by looking at your strengths. You go to Books A Million, you go to Barnes & Noble, you go to Amazon and look at the self-help section, and I guarantee you the majority of the books, if not all of the ones you'll find when they deal with self-help, will all deal with how to make your weaknesses stronger. That is not where God starts. God starts with, where did I make you strong? You know what people call you when you use your gifts? Gifted. You know what they call you when you live out of your weaknesses? Average. So God, we call those strengths gifts. God gifted you for a reason. What was the reason? This gives me a wonderful opportunity to give you an update on something that's going on in our church this month. We, we just, um, this summer, re, restructured, rewrote our entire life stream uh, classes that we've been doing for probably five years now. Because we want to try to do a better job at focusing on this single issue. Why did God make each one of us so unique? What did he do that for? So, um, life streams is no more. If you, if you even know what that, if you even heard of that, uh, probably two or three hundred of you have already taken it. We have shortened it, shrunk it, streamlined it, and changed it to something we call next steps. Next Steps classes. So you can see, if you're new to Kingwood, you go to First Step, and then after that we have two classes called First Step that start at the end of this month. And here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how do you live in relationship with other people as a Christian, and how do I find what God made me unique to do? How do I find my gifts? How do I find my strengths? How do I find them? Because when you find them, that unlocks for you a lot of the mystery on what God's vision for your life is. That's where you start. So here's what, here's what I want to encourage you to do today. If you've taken live streams, there's not a reason for you to take next steps. But if you've never gone to live streams, or if you're new to Kingwood, I want to encourage you to sign up. On, on the back of your info guide, we have uh, all of the classes, the next steps classes that will happen in the next semester, and I think even January we have a couple of dates on there. I want to encourage you to sign up. Two classes, two weeks, that's it. About two and a half hours, and we're going to help you. So I want to encourage you, if you've never taken that step, I want to encourage you to do that today because we're going to help you find what God made you to do. It will change. Look, look it's not just about what is my gift and how can I serve an hour a month or an hour a week. 
That's not what that's about. That's a small part. When you understand you, you will do everything better. When you know what God made you strong at, you will bring that to your marriage. You will bring that to parenting. You will bring that to your job. You will bring that to your church. You will bring that everywhere you go because it is in you and it's how God made you. So God made you on purpose. And we'll talk in week three, we'll talk a little bit more specifically about those gifts. And for those of you who are doing next steps, we'll talk very specifically about uh, those gifts in you. God made you on purpose. Number two, God made you like him. God made you like him. This is a very interesting conversation to have. Uh, see, um, when, when our, our, uh, we have two boys about four years apart. When they were six and ten, we had the opportunity to go to Colorado and uh, had never been uh, to that part of the country. And we got an opportunity to ride the old, old Cog Railroad up to the top of Pikes Peak. How many of you have been to the top of Pikes Peak? You been to the top of Pikes Peak? That's something. And over 14,000 feet. And we were staying down in Colorado Springs in the valley, and it was about 60, 65 degrees. It was in the late fall. Beautiful, gorgeous, warm, sunny. We, we go up to over 14,000 feet. The doors on the train open. There is, you know, a foot and a half, two feet of snow on the ground. It's 20 mile an hour uh, winds blowing, and it's about 20 degrees. And my southern to the bone wife steps one foot out of that train and crunches the snow, and she goes, Nope. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. And she beelines for the little coffee shop they got up there. She goes and drinks coffee. I'm out. It's not that pretty. And, uh, and so a six and ten-year-old boys, they, had, they were beach kids. They had never seen snow in their life. And I said, hey, come on, let's go play in the snow. You know, you got to see this. It's awesome. So we're waiting out there, and we're way out there, you know, wherever you're not supposed to be, that's where we are. We're waiting out there in the back, you know, and the snow's getting deeper, and, and the wind's just, just blowing, you know, and it's freezing in their faces. You know, I look over there, and they're red, and their eyes are watering, you know, tears are coming out their eyes. And they're just kind of braving it with me, you know, trying to figure out what, what, this, what this creepy snow is. And I, I fall off in a snowdrift just, just below my waist, and I, I kind of drop, you know, I guess there's a hole or something. And I turn on there, and one of them starts to cry. I won't tell you who. I'll protect the innocent. One of them starts to cry. And they were, Dad, we don't like it. It's cold. We don't, the kids are growing up at the beach, man. We didn't really have enough clothes for this. Dad, we're freezing. It's cold. So I picked them up. You know, at least got a picture so we could remember we were even there. And, and then they go inside, and I stand out there for a minute. And I'm standing on the top of Pikes Peak. And I'm looking out over the Rocky Mountains, the mountains that inspired so many patriotic songs about America. And I'm looking across that incredible land. And at that altitude, man, I felt so small, so, so little. Have, have you ever had an experience like that where you see some grand scene of nature, something that God made, and you go, man, I, I feel so small? Well, that's exactly the feeling that King David described in Psalm chapter 8, verse 3, when he said, listen to this, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, 
the moon and the stars you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? In other words, he, he, he said, I feel small. When I look up at the sky and I look at the universe and I look at the planets and I look at the Grand Canyon and Niagara Falls and you know the wonders of the world, I look around and I say, God, I'm, I'm so, I feel so little. But watch, 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 watch verse 5. But here's the answer. You have made them. Who, who, his question is, what is mankind that you, you even notice? Verse 5. Here's why you notice. You have made them a little lower than the angels. And crown them with glory and honor. That word angels in the original Hebrew language is the generic word or the general word for God that's used all over the New Testament. In other words, it's either used for God or lower, lowercase gods or spiritual beings. So this, in the NIV, they translated angels. Other translations translate it differently. But, but here's what it means. In other words, you have been made just a little bit lower than the highest spiritual beings that have ever existed. That's who you are that God would even notice you. You and I are not at the bottom of God's creation. You and I are at the top. We're the pinnacle. Why? Why are we the pinnacle? Because God made you like him. Let's look back at Genesis 1 and let's look at the creation story and let's unpack that. How did God make you like him? Genesis 1.27, then God said, let us make mankind, that means people, humans, male and female, in our image, in our likeness. So that they may rule over the fish in the sea and all of that. Verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. See, the reason that you and I cannot be descendants of apes or animals or plankton or anything else is because we not, cannot descend from something that was not created in God's image. Because we're created in God's image. God only gave his image to one part of his creation. There's nowhere else in the entire Bible you'll find that God gave his image or likeness to anything else but people. And that makes you unique. That makes you unique among all creation. You were created, not only are you a different creation... You are created in a completely unique way. When God created rivers, he said, let there be rivers, and there were rivers. When God said, let there be birds, he created birds, and there were birds. When God created people, he used a different process. He formed the animals from the ground. He formed humans from the ground. But he took an extra step with humans that he didn't do with any other part of his creation. The Bible says that he, he formed Adam from the dust of the ground, and then he went over and he breathed the breath of God into his lungs. He breathed into him. Now, now animals have breath. They've been breathing. But God didn't breathe in them. What did God breathe in Adam? He breathed a spirit in him. He breathed life into him. Other living things breathe, but they don't have God's breath. They don't have a spirit. God breathed the spirit in you, and that spirit is eternal, and that spirit will never die. 
That's why when Jesus was dying on the cross, do you remember he said, the last thing he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Because he knew his body was dying, but his spirit never would. That's a different creation. That is why, that is why we have to understand the uniqueness by which God created us. You are unique because you are different from everything else God created. Uh, let me read it out of the, of the message uh, translation for a minute. Listen to this. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature. Jump down to verse 27. God created human beings, watch this, he created them God-like. God made you like him. He didn't make anything else like him. But he made you like him. Reflecting God's nature, he created them male and female. Now, the best translation of this verse is not God made you in his image or that you have God's image, but that you are God's image. You were created to be a visible, clear picture of God, a reflection of God on earth. So if you've ever uh, had an opportunity to see a beautiful lake, a still, flat, quiet lake with the backdrop of a mountain or clouds or fall foliage, you can look in the mirror of that water and you can see those trees or you can see that blue sky and clouds off the... That lake is not that mountain. That lake is or not those trees, but that lake is a reflection of it. And that's what you and I are. We are a reflection of God's glory on the earth. Mountains and rivers and stars and planets and animals do not reflect God. They tell us there is a God. And they tell us a lot about how wonderful that God is. But they don't show us who God is. Humans do that because we're like God. Have you ever looked at a child and said, there's no doubt about whose dad that, you know what I'm saying? You look, you say, I know who their dad is. Like he cut his face off and put it on that little guy. Right? Yeah. Okay, I want to show you a couple pictures uh, where we might see that. Take take a look look at this. Is there any doubt? That kid will never deny his dad wherever he goes. Go to the next one. Look at this. See the two at the bottom? Look at that. Man, I mean, look at their shape of their eyes. Look at this. Wait, wait, stop right there. That's creepy. Right? I mean, let's just be honest for a minute. That's like mini-me. I'm not sure, I'm not sure there's some computer work. Oh, look, at the, look at these two guys. Is that wild? Now look at this last one. Whoa! Whoa! I stared at that last night for 10 minutes. I thought, wait, 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 wait. The guy on the right's the younger one. But man, don't they look alike. If you've ever seen anyone that looks alike... Like father, like son, right? We've heard that. This is what it means to have God's image. But, but not like this. I mean, it doesn't mean that we look like God, right? No. God is spirit, and we don't see God because God doesn't have a physical body, so we don't physically look like God because God is spirit. But how are we like God then? We are like God in spirit. Our spirit is eternal. Our spirit, the breath of God is in us. We are like him in our being. Here's another way that we're like God. You are like God in that you can go anywhere in the world. And most people, if they haven't had it beaten out of them, 
have some sense of right and wrong? Where does that come from? Where does that sense of goodness and kindness and uh, reaching out to other humanity, where does it come from? It comes because you were made in the likeness of God. When you and I see someone else do a good thing, it's a reflection of God's likeness. Now look, let's be honest for a minute. This oftentimes trips us Christians up because we say, we only think that Christians can do good things, right? Sometimes we think that. And it trips us up. But look, there are all types of people all over the world from all religions who do good things. And it's not because everything they believe is true. It's because they were made like God. So the next time you see an atheist or a Buddhist or a southerner who thinks they're a Christian because they're a southerner, do a good thing. I'll just throw that out there. You can confidently thank God for it because that is His likeness in them. It doesn't mean they have a relationship with Jesus, and it doesn't mean everything they believe is true. What it means is they were made in God's image. Therefore, they are reflecting it. When you see a mother care for a child, or you see a man give his lunch to a homeless person, or a neighbor offer an act of generosity, or a group welcome an outsider. These are God-like things, and we as Christians can celebrate them even when we disagree with another group's theology because that is God's likeness shining through even in a broken world. See, God made you like Him, and you are unique because you are different than everything else God created. So God made you on purpose, and God made you like Him. Here's the last thought, number three. God made you to glorify Him. God made you to glorify Him. Colossians 1.16 For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or powers or rulers, or th- everything. But Why? All things have been created through Him, look at this, and for Him. You were created for God's glory. (laughs) You were created to glorify God, to, to reflect, to show, to shine, to give attention to Him. To, to, to remind people that he's there and he's real and he's alive and he loves us. And this isn't all there is. Your highest purpose is to glorify God. Now watch this. How you do that is what makes you unique. You, your highest purpose is to glorify God. How you do that is what makes you unique. Because you are a unique expression of the glory of God that does not exist anywhere else on earth. So when you're not glorifying God, a piece of the puzzle is missing. Everything's not as it should be. God gave you life. He gave you His image. He gave you purpose. And with that, we are to glorify God. So how do we do that? How you live glorifies God. Or not. How you talk glorifies God or not. How you act, 
how you treat other people glorifies God or not. But that is our, our highest purpose. C.S. Lewis said this, In commanding us to glorify Him, God is inviting us to enjoy Him. We said it at the beginning of the, of the, of the message today. You'll never know joy like you will when you glorify God. Your greatest moments of joy and happiness and peace, your greatest moments of excitement and passion and purpose are all going to come from the same place when you glorify God. When you bring Him glory, when you, when you live in a way that, that reflects the image He put in you, when you take the uniqueness that God has put inside you and you use it to, to, put, to put honor and attention and credit and glory to God, it's going to bring you more joy the command to glorify God is the invitation to enjoy Him. So if church is boring to you, or God is boring to you, or when you read the Bible you don't understand it, or something like that, maybe, maybe part of the struggle is you're living a life that doesn't bring glory to God. Because it's joyful. This is a joyful, this is a, this is a happy trip. It's not a, it's not a killjoy. This is the greatest life there is to live. And that brings joy to us. I think one of the great um, ways to practice, how do, how do you practice? You don't get good if you don't practice. You know how I think you practice? Worship. We talked about it earlier. We come every Sunday. We, we, we make the Sabbath a priority. Why do we make the Sabbath a priority? Because we come together to worship and we practice how we're going to live all week. So we sing songs to fill our mind and our heart with words that will encourage us. We lift our hands in an act of surrender to say, God, this is how I want to live this week. This isn't a worship experience. This isn't a moment. This isn't a category. This isn't a place you visit. This is a, this is a, um, a template by which the rest of the week might be unpacked. God, we, we, Lord, we surrender today. We, 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 we want to start the week off right. So let's start here. I think some of you this morning, God is calling you. And he's stirring you. And this is a season of change for you. This is a, I love that song we sang, New Wine. This is, this is a new season. And the Holy Spirit is, is talking to you about making some changes and taking a step. Maybe it's you know, increasing your devotions or starting your devotions or maybe it's a whole life change, maybe it's a job change, I don't know. But some of you this morning, God is calling you to take a step toward Him. To take a step toward Him because He's calling you to, to change. He's calling you to, um, He's calling you to a greater glorification of Himself, to glorify Him more. It won't be like other seasons. This is a season where God is doing something special in your life. Hey, the Creator's calling. Your Creator. The one who made you as unique as your thumbprint. He sent a text. You going to reply? You going to leave it there? For, for the younger ones, He snapped you. You going to leave it on red? You going to snap it back? What are you going to do? Some of you think, you're like, what does that mean? No, forget it. Never mind. We don't have time. Whole nother thing. Whole nother conversation. 
Today, for some of you, it's time to take a step. Time to respond. And some of you have, have a, um, this is a season for you where there's a need. And you say, um, I need God in this place in my life. And the way that you're detecting that invitation and that change is actually through a need. God, I need an answer. I need your help. I need something right here. So would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask the prayer team if you'd come. And here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to practice for a minute. Every eye closed. Would you just close your eyes and open your heart? And today, when I was talking, if the Holy Spirit was talking to you, and He was saying, today it's time for you to take a step. Today, you've identified a need in your life whereby you need God. And God is going to use that need to bring you closer to Him. If that's you this morning, would, would, you, just, would, you, just be, um, would you be responsive enough? Would you be courageous enough? Would you, uh, would you say, yes, God, I, 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 my Creator is calling me and I don't want to ignore that call. I, I want to live a life of purpose and I want to find you and I want to take whatever that step is that you're calling me to take. Man, if you, if you hear that stirring inside your spirit, if you know there's something different about this season in your life for you, would you just lift your hand and you say, yeah, I know that's me. Come on, just lift your hand up and say, I, I, yeah, I know that's me. I know it's me. Yeah. Come on and just lift. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I know it's me. I know it's me. Yeah. If you have a need and you say, in this area of my life, I know I need God. I know it. I know it. I need His help. I need His provision. I need an answer. Would you lift your hand and say, I know this need is here and I know only God can answer it. Would you lift your hand up? See, I know only God can answer. I know that need's there. I know it. I know it. With every eye closed, if you lifted your hand, what I want you to do is I want you to come and let one of the prayer team begin to pray for you. I want you to come right now. Come on right now. Come on right now. God is calling. God is stirring. I want you to come right now and just let the prayer team begin to pray for you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Here's how you glorify God. You can glorify God by taking that step. You glorify God by saying, yes, Lord, when you call, I will answer. Yes, Lord, when you, when you stir in me, I'm going to respond. Come on. Come on. Come on and let someone just pray for you today and minister to you. Remember, life is better together. Don't do the journey alone. Take it with somebody else. And, and here's what I want us to do. I want us to sing that song um, that the worship team sang earlier. And as we do, I want us to practice today just glorifying God. Come on, would you just lift your hands up and say, Lord, today, as we end this service, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to glorify you. This is the beginning of the week for me. This is the beginning of a new season and a new week and a new start. Come on, worship team, just begin to lead. Come on, just lift your hands up. Lord, I give myself to you, to your glory, to honor you. I give myself away so you.